Well, good morning, Restoration Church. Pastor Kevin here. Thank you so much for tuning into this online service. I am so excited to be able to worship with you today. Uh, what an opportunity. As you are watching these services, whether you are watching live on Sunday morning or whether you're watching after the fact, we want to encourage you to engage within the comments. And so here's what I want to ask you to engage with today. Today is the kickoff of the NFL football season. So do me a favor in the comments, engage with one another and just say, go Seahawks. Okay, maybe for you, maybe Seahawks are not your thing. So maybe put in and tell me what team you root for. And maybe for you, you say, I have nothing to do with football. I don't like football. I don't know what they stand for. I don't like that sort of thing. Why don't you put in to the comments, engage with what you enjoy about the fall season. So your pumpkin spice latte or whatever it happens to be, let's engage with one another in those comments. I'm excited to be able to, to jump in and worship with you today and study some scripture today. So, so let's get started with that. I was thinking this past week about some of the communication breakthroughs that we've had throughout history. I imagine when those cavemen first started drawing uh, paintings in those caves, like that was revolutionary for them to tell a story. And then someone came up with an alphabet and that must have been great to be able to put words together. Um, obviously the printing press was a big deal because then we could print books and that changes things. Over the last 100 or 150 years, we saw some additional uh, revolutionary opportunities for communication with the advent of radio and television and the internet. But do you know what the latest communication breakthrough is? Memes. That's right. It is crazy what we can learn about our culture and our society from memes. In fact, here in the midst of, of COVID and the quarantine we've been dealing with for the last five or six months, these memes communicate some of the relational challenges that people are facing in this quarantine. Reality is, uh, because of where we are, people are, uh, everyone is managing more stress than they've had before. People, a lot of people are working from home, and so they're spending more time together, finding it harder to get time for themselves, time alone. And so here's just a few memes that I saw this week that communicate some of the relational challenges that people are dealing with during quarantine. I saw this, it said, my wife and I play this new game during quarantine called why do you do it like that? There is no winner. That's true. This was one from the beginning of the quarantine that said, day two without sports. I found a pretty lady sitting on my couch. Apparently, she's my wife. She seems nice. I appreciated this one. It says, quarantine hour 8,204. And I've become very aware of my husband's toenails. And I would very much like to be voted off the island right now. And this one was maybe made me laugh out loud this week. It said, day 27 of quarantine. My wife has taken up gardening, but won't tell me what she's planting. And the picture on the meme was a yard and there was a rectangle hole in the ground, probably about six feet deep. Uh, the, the rectangle was about the size of a large rectangle box. Listen, it's funny. Relationships, though, are challenging. Relationships are interesting. In creation, God created us for relationships. God created us to be a part of community. So whether we are introverted or extroverted, we all have this need for relationships. This is what we have in common. And so thinking about this, thinking about all the different relationships that those of us watching will be entangled in. Some of us are married, so we've got a spouse. 
All of us, we have a, a parent. We've got a relationship with a parent. If you have kids, you've got relationships with kids. We've got siblings and extended families. We've got friends. We've got coworkers. There are all these different relationships that we find ourselves in. But the question I want to ask is, is how many of you actually had any training into making good relationships? I mean, you think about this, like, like we have schools for everything. We get training for everything. You get trained in three R's, reading, writing, arithmetic. I got trained on how to be a, a preacher, how to stand in front and be able to, to teach the Bible. There's trainings for everything. In fact, even goes a little bit further, thinking about this, in Washington State, you have to do some training in order to get a driver's license. You've got to read a book. And then you show up to the DOL and you have to take a test that has 40 questions on that test. You have to pass that test and pay $30 and then you can get your driver's license. But do you know what it takes to get a marriage license in Washington State? All you have to do is show up with your significant other and bring 40 bucks and boom, that is it. There's just not a lot of training for us that we've had for all these relationships that we find ourselves in. So. Quarantine has obviously put some pressure on our relationships. Families, we're spending more time together, and that's a good thing. There's been a lot of good that's come out of that. But on the other hand, this time together, quarantine also has put some pressure on some different areas of our relationships, on how we relate to one another. And even beyond our families, I know that there are these, these pressure points in some of our other relationships, maybe with our, uh, with our friends and our coworkers and our extended family. So because of that, today I'm excited that here at Restoration Church, we're starting a new series called Relationships 101, where we are trying to speak to some basic principles to strengthen your relationships that you have with the people around you. Listen, this series, our goal in this series is that it would apply to everyone, all of us that have relationships. So if you are a young married, still trying to figure out what it looks like, man, there's some hope for you in that. If you're one of those old and seasoned couples that have been together forever, listen, I love couples like you. Here at Restoration Church, we need couples like you to, to walk through life and encourage some of these younger couples. Uh, around you. Listen, if you are a parent and you've got young kids, you've got kids and you've got parents you're trying to figure out, you've got siblings, you've got friends, you've got co-workers, listen, there are principles that we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks that will strengthen you in your relationship. So I hope that you will take the opportunity to engage with us over the next couple of weeks through this series. Today, today is kind of going to be the foundational uh, message for the entire series that's going to set the stage. And here's Here's why. Because within our human nature, we have this thing where we, all, all, we most of the time, most of us, we assume the best about ourselves, right? This is where we look at a scenario and we think we see things just right and everybody else is just a little bit wrong. And oftentimes within that, we surround ourselves with people who will affirm the way we feel about specific issues. And so when we come to relationships, when we have some struggles in relationships, it's easy for us to assume we are right and to point the finger at the people around us and say, you are the cause for our relationship issues. So in this series, listen, we're going to deal, we're going to deal with some of these difficult issues, but before we work on our relationships with others, before we do that, we need to focus first on our primary relationship, the relationship that is most important. And that is our own relationship with God. So the passage that, that Dana read for us this morning was Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 33. 
And obviously that is not necessarily a passage that is relating to relationships. That passage is, is talking about anxiety and stress and, and worry and about the cares of this life. And it doesn't necessarily relate to relationships. But there's a principle in that passage that absolutely applies to us. And that's what I want to hone on. It's Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And here's what it said. It said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. I mean, have you ever, you ever wondered, man, how do I get God's power in my life? How do I see God's blessing in practical ways? Listen, we get that, we achieve that, we experience that when we make God our top priority. In fact, when you look at scripture, scripture says God is the alpha and the omega, which means he's the first and the last. He's the beginning and the end. And so this principle about putting God first is so important because God wants to be first in every area of our life. God wants to be first in our finances, in our, in our health, in our work, and in our relationships, in our marriages, in our parenting, in our friendships, in all those relationships around us. The reality is God is our creator. God loves us. And as the creator, he understands his ways are best. And he has structured things for us with our good in mind. And so when you see this, this verse in Matthew 6, 33, saying, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Uh, what he's saying is, is if we would focus on a close relationship with God, if we would follow his ways and follow his paths, it's almost as if scripture is saying that God will take care of the rest. God will take care of the details. God's blessing will be available to us. And this is why it is so significant that we deal with this principle in terms of our relationships. Because if, if God is first, if God is primary, if God is our first relationship, then all other relationships, they flow out of that relationship with God. Where God is first, God is number one, God is our primary relationship, and our spouse, and our kids, and our parents, and our friends, they're number two, three, four, five, down the line. And God gets that place first and foremost in our lives. Because what happens all too often is we begin to prioritize our relationships over God, right? And so we begin to almost idolize our relationships, where we idolize our spouse, where we idolize our child, we idolize, uh, idolize the affirmations of people around us, we idolize our friendships, our boyfriend, our girlfriend, whatever it happens to be. I mentioned this word idol and idolize. What is an, do you know what an idol is? Do you know why we idolize people and things? An idol, here's what an idol is. An idol is simply anything that we think will give our life meaning, that will make us complete, that will make our life right. Here's the thing. We are created as spiritual beings. And God is the only one who can complete us. God is the only one who can make our life seem right. But we have this sin nature. And so instead of looking to God to complete us, we look to all sorts of other things relationships and, and other things to try and complete us. And we begin to idolize these things. And we look to people and relationships to do what only God can do. And that is to complete us and to satisfy us and make things right. In fact, I remember years ago when I worked at Madison House, my very first year at camp, I remember talking to a girl. She said, hey, hey, hey Kevin, listen, I, I, I really, I want to get pregnant. I want to have a baby. Because if I have a baby, then I will feel 
loved. Listen, kids are great. I've got five of them. I love them. But kids make terrible gods. They make terrible gods. Because here's the problem. Here's the problem. Is when there are things in this world that we idolize, relationships or whatever it happens to be, eventually they will let us down. Eventually they will fail us because they are not God. They can't be what God was supposed to be. They can't complete us. They can't make all things right. I mean, think about this. For those of you that are married, think about the things in your relationship when you were dating that you thought were cute. This was cute. And then you get married and no longer are they cute. For example, maybe you were dating and you're like, man, he's so great. He's so laid back and consistent. And you get married and you realize, man, he's actually pretty boring. Maybe for you, maybe your girlfriend, you're like, man, I love it. She's so organized. And then you get married and you say, man, she's kind of a control freak. Maybe for you, you're dating your boyfriend and you're like, man, he's so friendly and outgoing. It's wonderful. And then you get married and realize, man, he's, he's never home. He's always out with other people. See, here's what happens is, is when we look for the wrong thing to complete us, to satisfy us, to make our life right, what happens when that doesn't happen? What happens when it doesn't fulfill what we expect it to do? What happens when it fails us, when it lets us down? What happens when we are no longer happy with a thing that we thought was going to complete us? Honestly, for many of us, it just destroys us. It, it destroys us inside. Things get incredibly messy. Relationships become incredibly difficult because they aren't living up to what we expected and what we put on them. Oftentimes we get to the point in those relationships because they're not fulfilling what we want from them, that we give up on them. We quit on them. And for some of us, because we haven't got it figured out about what will complete us, we still think there's a relationship out there that will complete us, that when that first relationship fails, we look for another relationship and another one, and another one, and another one. And the cycle repeats itself again and again and again. Here's the thing. The things in this world that we idolize, when we let them down, when they let us down, the things in the world we idolize, eventually we will demonize. That's what happens. The things we idolize, eventually we will demonize. See, what we need to know is that only God is worth idolizing. God is the only one who's going to complete us, who's going to satisfy us, who's going to make things right in our life. Listen, no person is going to complete you. God completes you. People compliment you, but God is the one who completes you. This is why when we talk about relationships, we have to focus first and foremost on our relationship with God. We have to prioritize this and make sure that God is number one and all other relationships flow out of God being number one. And I want to be clear, again, we're talking about putting God first, about seeking God first. And I want to be clear about what it means to put God first in our lives. It means that faith is not just something we do on a Sunday. It influences how we live Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday as well. So here's just two simple things that I thought would be helpful to help us understand what it means for us to put God first and to seek God first in our lives. Number one, it means that we recognize that God is the one who completes us, that God is the one who fills the hole inside of our heart. In fact, Colossians chapter two, the apostle Paul says, be careful that no one takes captive, uh, takes, uh, 
Be careful that no one takes captive uh, through philosophy or empty deceit based on human tradition rather than Christ. He says the entire fullness of God's nature dwells in Christ, in whom you have been filled by him. See, when we, when we seek God first, we are filled with him. He fills that hole, that longing for us. And when we seek God first, then we get to know and experience the love that God has for us. And the love that God has for us is so different than any other type of love that we experience in this world. It is unconditional, which means that God love, God's love is not based on anything we do. We don't earn it. That God loves us just for us being us. Listen, honestly, does anybody else love you in that way? Perfectly, unconditionally, regardless of, of how big of a jerk you are, they love you unconditionally. And it's not just that God says that he loves us, but God proves his love for us through the cross. The cross, when you were at your worst, when you had your worst sin, your most embarrassing moment in your life, God loved you enough, even at that moment, to send Jesus to the cross to pay the penalty for your sin, to pay the penalty for that embarrassing thing, for the evil that you committed. That is grace. That is love. And it is so significant for us, so significant for us, that when we recognize that, that God is the one who completes us, when we know and experience his love, man, we begin to, to root and ground our identity in that. And it changes everything. Where he is our number one above everything else, he's what completes us and makes us right. And it changes everything. It changes everything. Listen, some of us, some of you watching right now, you're in that scenario and you're saying, man, I've been trying all sorts of things to complete me, to, to satisfy me, to make my life right. And I just, I, I haven't found that thing. Listen, if you're watching this today, maybe for you, maybe it's time that you turn to God and surrender to Him and experience His love and His peace and know that He's the one who's going to complete you. Second thing we do if we're going to seek God first in our life is we're going to live and love according to God's way and God's principles. This is what Proverbs chapter 3 says. It says, We are to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and not lean on our own understanding. And in all of our ways, acknowledge him, and he will make our paths straight. See, the world has a tremendous influence on how we love. The world teaches us that love is all about me. It's how I feel. It's, it's what you do for me. If, if you treat me right, then I will love you. But when we, we seek God first, which, which means that we, we, we follow his ways, which means we begin to love the way that God loves us. And honestly, that transforms our earthly relationships around us. Were you, are you old enough to remember those uh, WWJD bracelets that were used as a rage all in, in the 90s? Everybody had those WWJD bracelets. Listen, I know they're a little bit corny. But within relationships, listen, how different would our relationships be if we asked ourselves that question? When we have issues with our spouse, with our kids, with our neighbors, what would Jesus do? How different would those relationships be? The good news is those WWJD bracelets, they're no longer the rage in our day and age. Now we have new bracelets and a new clothing brand uh, that answers that question, WWJD, what would Jesus do? And these bracelets now say HWLF, he would love first. Listen, dealing with relationships, 
Man, isn't it good for us to remember, listen, he would love first. In fact, I would say that if we're going to really answer that question, what would Jesus do? I think it goes beyond love. I think it goes to he would forgive first. He would reach out first. He would comfort first. He would be the first one to speak. In fact, I read this. There was a a pastor and a newspaper columnist. And a lady had reached out to him and said, listen, I have got so much hatred towards my husband. I just want to divorce him. I want to hurt him as much as possible. And this pastor said, all right, I got a, I got a little thing for you to do. I want you to go home and I want you to act lovingly towards him. That's how you're going to hurt him. So it means I want you to forgive him. I want you to, to speak first. I want you to speak words of affirmation. I want you to be cons- kind and considerate. And that is how you can hurt him. Two months later, that pastor followed up with that lady and inquired, listen, how'd things go? Are you ready to go through with your divorce? The lady said, no, no, actually not. We've never been closer. Listen, this is what happens when we live according to the way that God calls us to live. It changes those relationships. Listen, let me be clear though. I'm not saying that when we seek God first, that all of our problems go go away and our relationships will be perfect and everything will be happy and, and go lucky. The reality is we are all sinful people. And when you have a relationship with someone, you are doubling the sin in that relationship. You've got two sinful people now. So in this series, listen, we're not gonna acknowledge, we're not gonna pretend that these things don't exist. This series, we're gonna talk about conflict. We're gonna talk about how to grow in these things and it's gonna be a good conversation. But there's something that happens within us that I don't want us to miss when we seek God first. When we seek God first, we become better. And here's here's what I want you to hear today. It's a better me makes for a better we. When we seek God first, we grow, we, we become more mature, we become better. And that strengthens our relationships around us. A better me makes for a better we. Here's the thing though. How do we do this? How do we accomplish these things? And it really, it really comes down to a couple of really simple things. It's really about our priorities. Listen, I know that in the middle of, of COVID, uh, a lot of our priorities have been thrown out of whack. Our schedules have been thrown upside down. We've lost our rhythms, our routines. Maybe for you, you're going through a season where things are changing. You've got young kids now. You've got got a new job. You've got maybe some anxiety and depression you're working through, and that throws your rhythms and routines out of whack. But if we're going to seek God first, it really means we have to learn to discipline ourselves. We have to be willing to, to let some things go in order, to, or in order to prioritize what matters most. Prioritize that relationship with our number one, that relationship with God. So I've got three simple priorities for us to pursue to seek God first. Number one, seek God first by making your Bible reading a priority. Listen, it seems like as a pastor, it seems like I'm always talking about this. And I am because it is so important in the Christian life. Listen, I know, I know personally how hard it can be, can be to be consistent and actually read your Bible. But if I want to be honest, there was a season in my life where, where I would go to church and my Bible would sit in my passenger seat and my Bible would stay there all week long until next Sunday when I went to church. And then I'd hear the pastor and he'd, he'd talk and he'd 
preach this message about reading your Bible and I'd get all this conviction and I'd start this new Bible reading plan and I would do good for a couple of days or maybe a couple of weeks and then I'd miss a few days and I'd miss a few more days and then I'd feel really bad and really guilty and I'd be too far away from catching up and I would just quit and it would just be so difficult. But listen, here's what I've had to do is as I've sought to, to prioritize my relationship with God, I've had to figure out how to prioritize it and make it a reality in my life. And if you're going to seek God first, you're going to have to figure out what it means for you to discipline yourself, to prioritize reading your Bible. Listen, do you realize that the Bible is God's love letter to you that reveals to you his heart, reveals to you his love, reveals to you his plans, his methods. It reveals to you him. You want to know God, you know him through scripture. Listen, he wants, I want us to see his blessing in your relationships. And you need to, to be willing to seek him and to seek his word. Listen, maybe for you to make this a priority, maybe you need some accountability. Maybe you need to reach out to someone and say, listen, I want to make it a priority to read my Bible five days a week for the next month. Ask them to hold you accountable. Ask them to check in with you. Listen, if you are married or, or, or dating, man, take an opportunity to read Bible, to read the Bible together. Maybe talk about what you read. If you've got kids at home, man, make it a part of the bedtime routine. We're going to read the Bible together. We're going to read the Jesus Storybook Bible. It is so valuable as a Christian to pursue the things of God, to seek Him in His Word. Listen, I recognize there's not enough time. There's never going to be enough time. This is why we have to make it a priority. We have to be willing to let some other things slide so we can prioritize seeking God first. Let me tell you what, it will be worth it. Number two, if we're going to seek God first, we've got to make prayer a priority. See, our faith is not just one-dimensional. Our faith is all about a relationship with God. And in a relationship, that means that we spend time talking back and forth. And that's what prayer is. Prayer is us talking to God and listening to Him. See, when we pray, we have the ability to, ability to reveal our heart, to reveal our frustrations, to reveal our hurts and what's going on inside of us. And what I found personally is as I pray and I talk my frustrations out to God, you know what happens with my frustrations? Man, they begin to, to wear down. And as I pray and talk to God, he calms my frustrated and anxious heart. Honestly, it's hard for us to hate somebody if we're generally praying for them. Listen, if prayer is something for you that you're saying, man, this is kind of new, it's kind of uncomfortable, I just don't know what I'm doing, let me, let me try and keep it simple for you. Here's two easy things that you can pray about. Number one, answer the, when you pray, answer this question, what is something you are thankful for? Talk to God about that. Talk to God about what you are thankful for. Second question you can answer is, 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 what is something that has your heart anxious? Talk to God about that. Whatever is leading you some anxiety, some, some, some stress, talk to God about that. So number one, you've got to make your Bible a priority. You've got to, number two, you've got to make prayer a priority. Number three, you've got to make church a priority. Listen, what are the things in your life that you will never miss out on? For me, it's a TV show, Deadliest Catch. I never miss an episode. I always find out it comes out the next day it comes out, and I watch it immediately. I love that show. Listen, what is the thing that you'll never miss? 
Is it your favorite TV show? Is it uh, work? Is it your sports team knowing that they're going to be playing? Listen, what if you made church one of those, I'm not going to miss this things? Not, you know, oh, maybe when football season's over, then I'll get back to church. You know, maybe during the winter, then I'll get back to church. Maybe when the lake dries up, then I'll get back to church. You know, maybe when the church resumes physical, ga- physical gatherings on Sundays, then I'll get back to church. No, what if we made church a priority? One of those things that we don't miss out on. See, if we're going to seek God first, you would think that the worship of God, the study of God's word, and the encouragement of God's people would be one of the things that we desperately need. So what if we adjusted our priorities and made church one of those things that is non-negotiable for us? We're going to plug in and engage. Listen, I want to conclude this message by pointing to a Harvard Business School research project that they did on successful marriages. And while that research is specifically on marriages, I want this to apply beyond marriages, but to every one of us in our relationships, if we want to have healthy relationships. So what this research project did is they studied 1,246 couples. And they had these, these 1,250 couples, they had them do three specific things together. They had them, number one, read and talk about the Bible together. Number two, they had them pray together. Number three, they had them attend church together. Listen, I don't remember how long the study lasted, but out of 1,246 couples that did these three things together, only one of those couples ended up in divorce. Can you imagine what it'd be like to strengthen the odds of your marriage to that high of a possibility? What that tells me is a better me makes for a better we. Listen, I'm not trying to guilt trip you if you are not doing these things. But as a pastor, I love you and I want the best for you and I want the best for your relationships. And the number one essential thing that we have to do to to have healthy relationships is we've got to live a God-first life. We've got to seek God first and put God number one in our life. And trust that as we we focus on God, as we focus on the relationship with God, as we become better, He will improve those relationships around us. Let me pray for us. God, I'm so thankful that you love us. God, I'm so thankful that you love us. God, I know, God, everyone listening to this message, no matter where they are right now, or no matter how difficult those relationships are, whether they find themselves in, in, in struggle and difficulty and frustration, God, you love us exactly where we are. God, you see us exactly where we are. You reach out to us exactly where you are, where we are. But God, you love us enough not to let us stay there. So God, I pray that today would maybe be a day that you would draw us to you. That we would, God, experience maybe some conviction in our life. Not guilt, not feeling like a failure. But God, we would view this message as you reaching out to us to say, listen, would you make me a priority? Would you focus on your relationship with God? Would you become better as an individual so that God could use that to strengthen those relationships around us? God, I want to pray that you help us to seek you first, that we would prioritize things right in our life. God, for some of us that we've been looking for a relationship to complete us, 
We've been looking for some other thing in this world to idolize that we think will satisfy us. God, I pray that you help us to know that you are the only one that will satisfy us and complete us and make things right in our life. And God, I pray that even today there's someone listening to this message that today that they would surrender into a relationship with you to say, God, I want you in my life. I want to experience your grace and your love and your forgiveness of my sins. God, I believe that you are my Savior. I believe that you died on that cross for my sins and that you rose from the grave. God, I pray that today somebody's life would be changed because of that. God, I pray for for those who are in relationships that are a struggle. God, I pray that your grace would be on them. That, God, they would feel your presence. They would feel that, God, you are there to, to, to speak to them. And I pray, God, that you would fill them with hope. Lord, I am so thankful that we have the ability to to put you first. And Lord, I pray that we would prioritize the right things to to grow our relationship with you. God, that we prioritize your word. We prioritize prayer, the church. That God, you would use those things to allow our relationship with you to continue to flourish. That God, a better me would really do create a better we. God, I thank you for meeting us here today. I thank you for uh, just this challenge and We ask this in your holy and precious name, Jesus. Amen.